You're listening to the Open Court Podcast with Jay Young, Bob Huesler, and Joe DeSantis. An all-access pass to Fairfield University men's basketball. Well, hi once again and welcome to Open Court with Jay Young, your Fairfield University basketball podcast starring the first-year head coach of the Stags. I'm Bob Huesler along with the Fairfield Hall of Famer, Joe DeSantis. In this edition of Open Court, we'll talk about the Stags' most recent games against Niagara and Siena. We'll take a look at the final two games coming up in the history of Alumni Hall, the matchups this weekend against Quinnipiac and Ryder. And we're going to be joined today by Fairfield's junior guard, Taj Benning. But uh, first, Coach, let's talk about the previous two games. They played out opposite ways, opposite results. Uh, We'll start with Niagara. You rallied to win that game. And I was wondering, when you went into the locker room, you had just been down by as many as 17. You're down 15 at the half. And I know you had um, the intensity level of your conversation with the team was raised a little bit. But in the back of your mind, were you thinking about the fact that you knew you had a team that had comeback ability? You'd been, you've done it already previously this season, great comeback against Oakland. Great comeback against Marish, just to name a few previous times. Was that something also that you were considering? Look, at, I know these guys have have what it takes to come back. Did that play into the message at the half? Yes, sure. Uh, you know, we got a group of fighters. We've been fighting all year. I just wanted to see a lot more fight right. and throw some more punches. Um, so I, I knew we were more than capable. There was still 20 minutes left and, and a lot of time, and, and we probably had played our worst half of basketball um, all year and give credit to Niagara who made some shots and, 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 uh, you know, certainly, uh, dictated what they wanted to do. But I, I was just upset with our energy level, especially on the defensive end and our, our execution. So, uh, yeah, we, we, you know, challenged them. Um, and they certainly came back and, and answered all the challenges and lucky, uh, you know, the guy sitting to your right channeled his, uh, Inner Magic Johnson, <laughs> and, uh, and I remember watching that shot live as a Celtics fan, so I, it, was, it was a little uh, redemption for me. Yeah, uh, but uh, and we were able to, you know, come away with a with a win. Yeah, that was a great shot. I actually on the air made the uh, reference because it was a sky hook to uh, Kareem, but that was absolutely more like that Magic Johnson shot because of where it came from and the way that uh, Taj came swooping across the lane. Well, we have Taj. Well. Be talking uh, to him about that shot and more. From a basketball standpoint, though, talking what you just referred to about that first half against Niagara, you know, the turnovers were were live ball turnovers, and Niagara was piling up points off of those turnovers. You come out of the second half and calmed it down completely, and just to look at the Siena game, same thing. Things have calmed down in that regard. What has happened between that first half against Niagara and the three halves that have followed? Well, you know, we've, we've made a little better conscious effort just to kind of take care of the basketball. And um, that's been a big problem ours all year is live ball turnovers. And, and you just can't recover from them. You know, they kill your defense. Uh, it's not only what they do to your offense, but, you know, the points per possession on a live ball turnover is almost double what it is in the half court. So you just, you're going to lose if you play that way. So, Again, you know, I, I didn't think it was so much um, what Niagara was doing with that turnovers. It was more just some mental errors and some concentration errors on our part. And and we came back versus Siena and had a season low, I think, five the whole game. And, and you know, if we can get six shots up at the rim, 
uh, for us, it's not necessarily if we're going to make them the first time, but we got to, you know, an opportunity to go rebound them then. But you can't rebound turnovers. So uh, we've been talking about that as a, as a theme all year of doing a better job of taking care of the basketball, and and we did in the second half of Niagara and and the entire game for Siena. Yeah, against Siena, a positive uh, assist to turnover ratio, which hasn't always been the case in games this year for Fairfield. That Siena game. Um, you talked a lot about execution after that game was over. You you uh, had a second-half lead, but you said you were a little dis- disappointed in the team's execution defensively in spurts, and also you said we were okay as far as executing offensively. At this point in the season, late February, is that more a mental thing? I mean, you've had a lot of practices, a lot of repetitions. Is, this, is it a matter of focus uh, as far as keeping that stuff uh, in check m- m- or executing better? Yeah, I mean, it, it is. We're adding stuff, too, even though it's in the end of the season. We, we changed our ball screen coverage and really only had the day in between to work on a couple things um, with because of Pickett and Burns and the combination of those two and how they hurt us in that first game. So we had done a decent job with, with making that change and playing that a little different, and then we missed a big uh, missed a couple things at the end of the game. Uh, there was a late switch that we shouldn't have done, and then uh, Pickett got in just too deep, and we uh, we switched it anyway, which we shouldn't have done. But those things will happen, and, and again, we didn't have a lot of time to work on it. But, you know, guys, we're, we're still adding stuff. So even though it's the end of the season, you know, some of the things you see are new and some of the defensive schemes are stuff that we might not have uh, have practiced as much as we wanted to. Gotcha. And um, I wanted to ask you about the mood in the locker room after that game against Siena. They are arguably the most talented team in the MAC, and you had them. You know, you had them beat. That could have easily been a fair field win, probably should have been a fair field win. So what was the emotion? Did you sense an, say, angry feeling from the team? What was it? You tell us what yeah, the emotion I, was. I think we were all disappointed. You know, I've, I've said this to these guys a million times. There's winning, there's winning, and then there's misery, and then there's nothing really in between. And, you know, we, we played hard. Um uh, which which we have to do. We have to do that all the time, and and we just didn't make enough plays and uh, missed a couple defensive assignments. So, you know, I think everybody was pretty miserable, and that's what I want. I want you know I want the coaches to be miserable. I want the players to be miserable. We can be proud of our effort, but we can we can still be miserable, and that's that's what we were. Joe, anything? Before yeah, um, uh, maybe jumping ahead and asking you about something else, but it ties into this game. You had a great crowd. And you've had good crowds at Alumni Hall. And um, you played a team that in Siena that can win this league, that could be the best team in this league. So it ties in with what you asked, Bob. You played well enough to win. Uh, and like you said, you're going to make some mistakes. But how does that make you feel going forward? And it, it, it's kind of an, uh, an unusual question because next year you're at Webster Bank. But the year after that, have you thought about? Have you sat back and maybe at dinner or alone in your in your bathroom in your bedroom? In your bathroom. <laughs> anyway, we won't get into that. But you know what I'm saying. Have you said, boy, if I can get this thing a little better with the crowds we've been having in two years, it's really going to be special. Uh, I haven't really thought about that a lot, honestly. I'm I'm 
I know you're not going to like this answer, but I'm thinking about how we can beat Quinnipiac yeah, on Friday yeah. night. Uh, I mean, obviously, you're boring. If, know, that, yeah. if that's if, if that's a true answer, you're boring. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather you tell me it's not a true answer. It is a true answer. All right, I, and you're boring. A, yeah, <laughs> I am boring. I'm extremely boring. Uh, but you know, we've had uh, a good atmosphere at uh, at Webster Bank, um, and I know what home courts can do for college basketball teams if you just look at the around the country what the advantages that home courts are doing and uh you know coming from Rutgers I know what we played like at the rack and uh when we played on the road in the Big Ten with two drastic things and even our percentages uh you know I've got all the numbers of what we shoot at Alumni Hall as opposed to other places so I know what it can do for you, and certainly it's a big advantage in college basketball. So I'm excited to get a new place in here. I'm excited to get, uh, you know, a tradition going here where we can get good crowds because I know what an advantage that can be. But I, I'm not. So you'll yeah, think about it when the season's probably over. Probably a little more, okay. yeah. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm just trying to figure out how to yeah. stop Rich Kelly and, and Kevin Marfo and a couple other guys on, on Friday night. Yes, Quinnipiac on Friday night at Alumni Hall, and uh, looking forward to next year. The guy sitting to my right now, right at this moment, uh, will be with you next season, and that's a, that's a consoling thought for you, Coach, as we bring in Taj Benning. And, Taj, I want to back it up a little bit here and start off by asking you, how did you prepare for this season knowing that more responsibility was coming at you because of the departure of Neftali Alvarez, and there was some question as to whether or not Idis Kavalowskis would be at full speed to begin the season. As it turned out, he did miss a few games. In other words, you had a lot on your plate coming into this year. How did you get prepared for that extra responsibility? Um, I think I prepared mostly by uh, making sure I was in good shape because um, in prior seasons I had been playing combo guard, like a lot of the point guard and the shooting guard, but I knew that um, Coach Young was asking me to play uh, the one a lot this season, so basically just making sure I was in good shape, being able to guard all the other teams' point guards and stuff like that. Joe, I know you wanted to ask Taj yeah. specifically about that. Yeah, I, I'm really old school to the point where it's a it's it's obnoxious on our broadcast, and Bob will tell you. But I want to know who's the toughest guy you've guarded in this league, and who's the guy that talks the most trash that you want to punch in the head. <laughs> Um, Me probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, now you don't. The second question, I don't know. You don't want anyone else to find out what you're saying, but I don't know if you want to give me an answer. But go ahead. Well, the toughest guy to guard probably this season. I mean, Rich gave us some uh, some trouble when we played them. Uh, Jalen Pickett's obviously pretty good, so. Um, he was tough to guard and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, the Max of guards league. So, like, every game I know I'm going in, like, I'm guarding somebody that can really score, really play, that's fast. It's another like boring that. answer. Who's the toughest guy that you've had to guard this year? <laughs> well, you just said Rich. And oh, he's yeah, yeah but he's, he's, he's floating out there. Don't float. Just give me. Uh, Maryland had Anthony Cowan. Anthony Cowan's a tough guard. So. Uh, in the conference. In the conference. Like I said, every day I'm All going right. up against a good right. card. I'm not getting anywhere with this. <laughs> no, he just said Rich Kelly, and he's got him on Friday, so that's, he's going to be focused on that matchup coming up. And uh, you were just talking about uh, getting ready to, to play better defense, lead guard, and, and, of course, Coach Young has preached defense and, and rebounding right from the moment he arrived here at Fairfield. Let's pretend Coach Young isn't here right now. <laughs> Hold on, time out. Who talks the most trash? 
Most trash? Mm, I haven't really ran into anybody that talks to me. I'm not one to get started with. So, All right, go ahead, Bob. Right, let's let's get this back on the rails here. <laughs> uh, let's pretend, of course, with a smile on my face, Coach Young isn't here. Players talk. You get a new coach at the end of last season. Um, how anxious were you about that? And how much of a great find is there as far as players are concerned? I'm sure you wanted a scouting report on Coach Young. How did you go about getting that? Well, um, I was anxious when I found out um, that we were getting a new coach. But then when I found out it was Coach Young, um, I had heard a lot of stuff about him, like how much of like a defensive guy he was. So I knew, like, because I love to play defense and stuff like that. So I knew, like, all right, me and him would have a good relationship. But, um yeah, I actually have a friend that plays at Rutgers named Ron Harper. And the minute Coach Young got the job, he texted me and was like, yo, you guys got a good one. And I was like, all right, so I think we're in good hands. And then I had a meeting with Coach Young when he got here. And, um, yeah, I uh, automatically knew that I was in good hands. The first time he came and spoke to our team, the first thing he said was, um, like, you guys are my guys and you're no one else's guys but mine. So that automatically, like, I just knew. I was like, all right, this is the guy. Coach, prior to that first meeting you had with Taj, how much film did you watch on him? What were your impressions of him as a player prior to that first sit-down? Well, I knew about uh, Taj a little bit because I was coaching in New Jersey at the time, and Bergen Catholic was one of the best programs in, in the uh, in the state. And uh, they played in the rack uh, for a state championship, right? Or state championship yeah. versus, versus Bosco. Bosco. That was their big rival. Still is their big rivalry. So I I knew of Taj a little bit, and um, I watched you know considerable amount of film, uh, and you're always kind of watching guys who you think would fit the style of how you want to play. And certainly, you know uh, Taj jumped out right away. I like physical guards who can cover um, multiple positions, and uh, you know got here is he was he's been awesome as you guys know, and uh, you know extremely uh fortunate to have him on the on the team he uh i say this every night he just you know good bad on offense or whatever he brings it every night brings it every practice and uh i think you've seen the improvements in, in his game this year and uh just just really uh you know blessed to have him and and uh, he's been a warrior for us he really has been yeah one of the particular improvements taj is uh your downhill game if i can use that terminology you've been getting to the free throw line well, frequently, um, this year you've taken more free throws than you did in the previous two seasons combined. Um, the genesis of that particular improvement, that part of your game, uh, where did that uh, start and how did you develop it into the point where it is now? Well, uh, the coaching staff, they're always telling me, like, drive the ball, be aggressive, drive the ball, downhill, downhill, downhill. So that's, like, giving me the ability to get to the rim and finish, and I'm getting fouled like that. But um, I've always felt like driving has been, like, the better part of my game. And like I said, the coaching staff has just been pushing me to just be downhill, be aggressive, get to the rim, get to the rim. So I think that's why. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know if, I, if you guys asked if you did. I'm sorry. The hook shot, have you ever taken that before in a game? Is yeah. that something you work on? Yeah, I, I thought it was more of like a – I was going towards the middle. I kind of thought it was more of like a, like a runner. But, yeah. No, it wasn't a runner. It was a hook shot. Well, I called it a runner on the air, yeah. but it ended up as – it was a yeah. runner, but then it ended up as a delivery as a hook. Well, yeah. I've, I've practiced the shot before. <laughs> From that far out? Yeah, I just wanted to get to – um. well, the play started off. We were trying to get something quick, 
um, to Landon, and uh, they did a good job of guarding it. And Landon threw me the ball. Um, Idas threw me the ball, and um, I just wanted to get to a spot where I knew I could like make a play. So got in the lane and I shot it. What have we not seen from your game? You have hopefully quite a few games still to play this season, and then all of next season as a senior. What is the ceiling for you? What are there? What parts of your game do you continue to think you can develop, and that fans will say, "Wow, he's you know really he brought it to this level now." What are those specific things? Well, um, I just want to just continue to get better shooting the ball. So um, I would hope that would be. That would be what it is like when I came in as a freshman. I didn't shoot at my best, and um, I really put a lot of work into that. And um, that's one thing that I would hope people would say, like, wow, like he really improved like his ability to shoot the ball from back then to now. You know, Coach, uh, Taj has hit some, some big three-pointers. Not a big volume here in terms of three-pointers made, but he's hit some big three-pointers. In your estimation as his coach, how much uh, of a ceiling is there in, in that particular part of his game? Well, if you look at his non-conference numbers, shooting the three as opposed to his conference numbers, there's a, there's a huge difference. And that's a tribute to Taj getting in the gym and working at it because, uh, you know, he was a guy who wasn't making threes first in the non-conference. And, uh, you know, we talked a lot about that, that if he wants to take them, he's got to get in and, and really work at it. And what you're seeing is a product of that now, how well has he shot the ball. So uh, with his feet set, and um, every one of them, I think, is going in. I really, I really believe that. Got to get a little better, as he knows, on the move uh, and, and kind of uh, dribbling into a three. But I think that's a project for us in the offseason. But right now, I feel very confident when, when he's got his feet set and when he leaves his hands, that it's going in. And that's, you know, and I know how much he's been in the gym working on it. So uh, that's, that's, a, that's a tribute to him. And of course, uh, the shot we've already discussed quite a few times here. I was thinking about this, Taj. That's going to go down, that game and that shot, as one of the memorable moments in the history of Alumni Hall. I mean, there aren't many times that a team comes back from 17 points down uh, late in the first half, 15 at the half, to win a game and then win it in that fashion. And that leads me into asking you about what, for you, is coming up as uh, your final two games ever at Alumni Hall. You have teammates who will be back on campus playing in the new arena, but unfortunately you will have graduated by then. So um, you're getting nostalgic at all. Uh, what has your experience been like as a player uh, in games played on campus in Alumni Hall and as you get ready for Quinnipiac and Ryder? Anything, any, what thoughts have you given to that? The atmosphere in Alumni is just really, really, really good. And um, – you, we hear about some of the history of the building. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, like, amazing. I think when we play our games at Alumni, it's just um, having all the students there and then all the people that come and watch the games. And sometimes we have, um, like, old teammates that will come and watch the games. It's just amazing, the atmosphere at Alumni Hall. Yeah, and, uh, Coach, I wanted to ask you, this will be your only year as a head coach in this building. And then, of course, you have the benefit of uh, the new building a couple of years from now, but um, has it been, has it exceeded maybe your expectations? I don't know if you've ever been in this building for a basketball game before you actually coached here, but uh, has the atmosphere in there been a, one of the pleasant surprises for you here in year one? Yeah, it's been great. Matter of fact, the, the other day, uh, you know, it's it, we trying to call out a couple of uh, plays verbally that the guys couldn't hear us, and that was the first time that's really happened to us all year where 
we were having trouble, uh, you know, getting plays in to them. But um, yeah, it's been a great building. I mean, I'm I'm partial to those old historic places anyway with atmosphere. Uh, not that I don't want the new place or it's going to be great, but I'm I always like the old places that you go in and have history and things don't work and. The cold water is rusty and and uh, the talk about Fenway Park. Yeah, Fenway Park, or Boston, the old Boston, the old Boston Garden, Garden and sure. uh, even the rack that is is you know it's uh, that I remember watching Tom Izzo changing the old baseball locker room one time. I just like those those places, and uh, I'm going to miss Alumni Hall. I'll, I'm anxious for the new place to get here for sure, and it's going to be beautiful and uh is a welcomed addition but uh even though it's been one year it's uh it's a building i really enjoy tosh was referring to uh, some of the uh, older old time players and some of his old teammates come into alumni hall and i went in a moment going to ask joe about some of his memories he made many of them at alumni hall but before that one final question for you about the new building and uh how much of a um, enticement for recruits has that been for you? How have you used that to sell the Fairfield experience as you bring players uh, or try to bring players into the program? Well, first and foremost, I think it just speaks to the commitment that Fairfield University has for, for men's basketball. And, um, you know, we're, we, this is recruiting and it's an arms race and, and we're going to have a building that is as good as any mid-major facility in the country. So for us, it's huge, and we we sold it since the day I got here before it was even announced, quite honestly. And uh, you can see in my office, it's the first thing when you walk in, the new pictures of the some of the uh, amenities that we'll have. So we're selling it. Um, you know, it's players want to play in the best, and we forget we're going to have one of the best facilities in the country. And then, uh, of course, uh, we will uh, be one year in Webster Bank Arena next year before the new facility opens and close the old place uh, for men's basketball on on Sunday, Joe, and you'll be luckily by my side on Sunday. Uh, and we have often talked during broadcasts and even during these podcasts about some of the great moments in Alumni Hall. And, and Joe, you probably played in the greatest game ever, the win over Holy Cross at Alumni Hall. I remember that five-overtime game against Iona. There was a game in 1996 to close out the regular season. This place went crazy when Fairfield beat Iona to win the regular season championship. Ended up going to the NIT that year. But we were talking earlier today, Joe, and I thought you made a great point. You were part of a 1975 through 79 stretch of Fairfield basketball, maybe the best ever. But there were Fairfield teams and players who preceded you that made Alumni Hall and the Fairfield basketball program a real attractive destination for you, didn't it? Yeah, well, it wouldn't be fair if I would have waxed poetic about our teams and not talk about the reason why we I went there, and I know a lot of the guys decided on Fairfield. When Fred Barakat came into my home to recruit me, it was like um, you know Mike Krzyzewski coming into someone's home now. I, I was very aware of Fairfield's success simply because of the su- success they had in the early 70s. And, you know, the whole story about um, getting on um, uh, the trains and, and, and heading down to, uh, to uh, the garden for the NITs and a uh, couple of players dribbling from Fairfield, Connecticut to the garden. So when they tossed up the ball for the first NIT, they walked in. You know, my freshman year, I played five times at Madison Square Garden in the Holiday Festival and three other times based on the fact that Fairfield drew a lot of fans at the Garden. So my point is is that 
I'm not saying I wouldn't have gone to Fairfield. I wouldn't have chosen Fairfield. But a big part of my decision-making was the fact that I was very aware of the history they had had. So, again, you want to talk about the John, the John, uh, Johnny Ryans and the Ray Kellys and the Owen Mahorns and those guys before, I think, was a, one of the reasons why I came and a lot of members of that Fairfield team from 75 to 79. Mark Young, who was my roommate and best friend for four years, and arguably, you know, the greatest player of the player. I mean, this guy's 6'10", and built like a rock, could shoot. If he was coming out now, he'd be a 10-year NBA player. You've heard me say that many times. Um, he was recruited by a lot of big schools, uh, you know, and he chose Fairfield. And I think the reason being was um, the campus, all the things we know about now, the, the academics, the campus, um, but also there was a, an excitement already built in. We we asked. I talked to you last time, and when I was a coach, and I'm not trying to make excuses, but I was never in a situation where everything was in place for me. We always had to build it up. For Fairfield, I got there, and like I said, it was uh, first game we had. The place was packed. It was not something we had to we had to build. And fortunately, we had good teams. And then getting a little more personal. Again, I, and I don't mind saying this, I was the king of mediocrity in high school. I spent more time in the pizza joint on Fordham Road than I did in the library or studying. Um, um, for me to come to Fairfield the first week, go, going, from, going from where I lived to Fairfield, Connecticut, was like going to another country. The, the joy I had of my childhood was go to Rockaway Beach or Westchester County, the Cross County shopping mall. That was like a big deal. To go to Fairfield, Connecticut, like I said, was going to another planet. Um, I didn't think I belonged here the first week or two. I was a C student. Believe it or not, I was shy. I was insecure. And basketball was a big part of all I wanted to do was be like everyone else here. And uh, basketball helped. Tasha, how aware? Hold up, hold up. I did meet my wife at Fairfield 42 years ago. I had to say that. Absolutely. <laughs> 42 years ago in the Stagger Inn. Have you ever heard of the Stagger Inn? No. Yeah, S-T-A-G-H-E-R-N. It's, it's in the campus. It was in the campus center. 42 years ago, February 18th. <laughs> How about that? During the season, wow. Uh, February 18th. <laughs> we got a romantic on our yeah. hands. Yeah, yeah. Taj, uh, you're... Your awareness of Fairfield basketball history before you came here and where it is at now, uh, how much more do you appreciate it? And especially considering you've got to play a number of games inside uh, this building, Alumni Hall, which carries so many memories. Uh, yeah, when I came, when I was getting recruited by Fairfield, my uh, my dad's first thing he told me was like, do research on the place because he knew a lot of stuff about the place. So I um, did a lot of research, saw like that they had been to the tournament and stuff like that. So, yeah, I definitely had knew um, some stuff about the school and the basketball history. And then when I got here, um, having Tyler Nelson here and how much history that he made here was definitely uh, really big. Yeah, that's a good point. Tyler Nelson uh, came through and uh, became the all-time leading scorer in the history of Fairfield. And I'm sure uh, we'll have uh, quite a few former players. Tyler will probably be busy doing what he does these days, playing for uh, Greensboro and in the G League, but it'll be a lot of uh, a lot of fans in the seats, former players included, this weekend, coach, to watch uh, your final two ho home games against Quinnipiac and Ryder. You're focused only on Quinnipiac, so uh, we'll wrap things up here by asking you what will the difference be this time against Quinnipiac when they got you up in Hamden and when you play them on Friday night. 
Yeah, we're certainly going to have to defend the three-point line a lot uh, better than we did up there. Uh, you know, when we went into the game, is that being a focus? And uh, we did not do a good job of that. And, you know, they, they, they were coming off a, a loss to St. Peter's at the time where they didn't shoot it well. Um, and they shot it real well the night we played them. So, you know, they pose very similar problems as Siena, the combination of Burns and Pickett and the combination of Kelly and Marfo in pick-and-roll situations. So we're going to have to be really solid. And then, but Kelly's got great vision. Um, if if you rotate the guys, he finds open guys. So uh, we're just going to really have to take the threes away from him. And, uh, you know, for us, it's always a matter of what what I said every time. we got to defend. we got to rebound. And uh, I like the fact that we're – I hope we're on this trend of cutting down on turnovers. And uh, – Hopefully we got a couple games more of magic in, in Alumni Hall all to send the building off the right way. That'll be Friday against Quinnipiac, and then Sunday afternoon, the final men's basketball game at Alumni Hall when the Stags take on Ryder. Just a little uh, podcast programming note, we have uh, one more regular season edition. That'll be, uh, we'll, record, we'll produce it on Tuesday, next Tuesday following those games at Alumni Hall. We're going to bring in assistant coach, Chris Casey to sit down with us. Uh, he's had a lot of experience in the MAC tournament, and we're not going to be able to talk prior to the MAC tournament because you guys will be traveling down to Atlantic City. So before the games against Monmouth and Manhattan, we'll bring in Chris, assistant coach Chris Casey, to talk about those games and then look forward to the uh, the looming MAC tournament. So, uh, coach, best of luck as uh, you. Hopefully bring the curtain down at Alumni Hall with a couple of wins this weekend. Thanks, Thank as you. always, for the time here. Taj, your great uh, company, as always. Continued success here at Fairfield. And uh, don't get too nostalgic this weekend when you uh, <laughs> wrap up things at Alumni Hall against uh, against Quinnipiac and Ryder. Get a couple of wins, and then you can uh, look back with, on down, going down memory lane like this guy does. Joe, always a pleasure. Uh, I'm sure you'll maybe get a little emotional on Sunday in that game against Ryder, won't you? Yeah, it's uh I, I kind of feel the same way as Jay. I like the old the old arena type places and um you know I was crying for many years to fix the alumni hall up but I understand the need for change. So uh it'll be an interesting uh, day. It'll be fun. As this was fun as always, our thanks to Taj, our thanks to Coach Young and of course to Joe D. I'm Bob Hussler. I want to thank you for listening to Open Court. We'll see you again next week. The Open Court Podcast is a presentation of Fairfield University Athletics. For future podcasts, videos, news, stats, and coverage of Fairfield Stags men's basketball, log on to fairfieldstags.com.